0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast from World Radio Gardening. Well, with spring in mind, Ken Crowther has been to the RHS Hyde Hall in Essex. There he met up with garden manager Ian Ball. Just talking about the colour and the fragrance that you can still find in the midst of winter.
1: Yeah, people tend to retreat indoors in winter. They sit down by the log fire, maybe, and uh, have a drink or whatever. There's still lots to do in the garden in the winter. Often it's getting ready for the uh, year ahead, uh, and often we're working ahead before, you know, perhaps a plant comes into flower. Uh, and certainly one of the sort of winter flowering plants uh, to look out for is the hellebore. Um, one of the commonest ones is the Lenten rose, and that usually comes into flower in January, uh, depending on what the weather's doing. Um, and before it comes into flower, it's worth taking the old leaves off. So it actually looks perhaps a little bit drastic you might think oh why am i doing that um, but a it's going to make it uh, make the flower look better you'll be able to see the flower more clearly and also by taking the leaf off um, you'll reduce fungal problems because the hellebore leaf off can have a black uh, it gets a blotch spot does it, it? it yeah it the black a spot. leaf spot a leaf blotch and if you take the leaf off a new leaf will then come through the following uh, following season now
2: Often people see that sort of blotch in the in the summer in in the summertime, and they think, "Oh, you know, I've got to take my leaf off." Do you, is it detrimental to take the leaves off in the summer? We, you just said take them off now, so that the flowers look good. But people are a bit, you know,
1: well, they look a bit blotchy. Shall I take them off? Is it? Does it harm the plant, do you think? Um, I guess it could harm the plant a little bit because if you're taking all the leaves off obviously it can't uh, photosynthesise a basic function of a plant obviously is to convert uh, into energy, into growing uh, so it can really put its sort of growth on and something like a hellebore you know it needs to put the growth on during the summer season to give it its, it it, it's oomph um, uh, mm. you know mm. when it comes into flower in the winter so if you take all the leaves off sort of in the summer um actually you're kind of reducing its ability really to kind of grow and mm. sort of be healthy if you like so uh, if they're really bad maybe take one or two off but, but i don't would do it sort of completely. wait i think till the winter and you're really doing it just before the the flower comes out because it's easy to kind of nip the flower bud if you do it too late so you want to do it just before the flower sort of really plumps up uh, in sort of early January. Now
2: do you have any of these sort of seedling ones as well or do you main, what varieties do you generally have here?
1: We have all sorts and the helibars you do treat slightly differently because uh, some helibars the leaves kind of shoot from the base. Whereas others kind of the flower is sort of produced kind of on a stem, uh, so then you don't necessarily want to take the leaves off those types. Uh, So, something like that, what's commonly called the uh, stinking hellebore, hellebore fetidus, um, that has a slightly different growth habit, or the Corsican hellebore that we actually have on the dry garden, uh, which comes from Europe, um, that again kind of flowers kind of on a stem, the leaves are around the stem. So, some of them do need treating differently. So, the kind of hellebores I'm referring to flowering in January are the Lenten roses. That's Um, the traditional
2: one that people think. Yeah, that's the traditional
1: one that sort of with the nodding flower, the speckling inside the flower um, that kind of classic sort of hellebore flower, yeah.
2: People actually I suppose need to be encouraged to buy them, possibly during the sort of late summer, early autumn really to plant them in their garden so they've got something to, you know, look forward to
1: Yeah, absolutely, I mean if you're buying them in autumn they'll kind of establish and then you'll get the flower uh, that, you know, kind of next winter, but I guess um, with something like a hellebore you want to see, you know, what that actual flower looks like, you want to see the spotting or the mottling you yeah. know you want to see the color because they are very variable uh, from creams to real dark sort of strong purples um and often people want to have a you know actual little look at the color and choose it when it is in flower now, there is lots of colour around at the moment, isn't there? I mean, you know, when you think about it, if you walk around the
2: garden, we forget that lots of stuff does flower. I mean, the viburnums are looking absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the I think as it, well as right?
1: flower, it's fragrance as well. When you oh, walk around the garden just, in the winter, you can't get the you fragrance. Smell it. Absolutely, Whoa. it's in the air, and that's, you know, those shrubs are trying to attract the sort of few pollinators that are around in the winter, which is why many of them have a good fragrance. But you've got the viburnums, you've got Daphne's, obviously a classic winter flowering shrub, Sarkococcas, another classic, uh, and, yeah, of course, viburnums are great. Um, so you know, a lot of them do really kind of fill the air with that kind of fragrance as you walk about. So really it's a
2: reminder to get out, you label all your plants here at Hyde Hall, so have a good look at what is looking good and then perhaps plant them in your own garden.
1: Absolutely, and also think look at the structural elements in the winter. Some of the plants die back, but think about your evergreens, your conifers, maybe bamboos, uh, those kind of backbone sort of elements that really provide that kind of structure all year round that fade into the background maybe in the summer but in the winter they're absolutely key to kind of having a backbone to a good sort of planting.
0: It's logical thinking isn't it? You want some colour in your garden next winter so why not use this winter to look at the colour that's already there at the likes of Hyde Hall. It's World Radio Gardening and our latest podcast. Ken Crowther has been to Hyde Hall meeting up with the team there. Well no garden stays the same and Andrew Lodge from Hyde Hall has been explaining about the little job of moving 17,000 tonnes of soil. We've done
3: it over about four weeks obviously with contractual assistance but as you can see you know we've gone from this quite flat landscape um, making these mounds and and now it really goes as you can see with the surrounding landscape.
2: Mm. So just for you, I mean sort of winter gardens and stuff for the winter of course have become more and more popular haven't they and attract visitors I mean is that the main aim do you think? Yeah
3: most definitely I mean winter stems you get these really bright vibrant colours and and it's also about textures as well seed heads Um, you know I think years ago we all used to you know really forget about gardens in the winter but now they're actually coming alive a lot more.
2: So what are the sort of plants we're putting in here then?
3: Um, again, it's mainly with stem interest. Obviously, you've got your salix, you've got cornus, and then we've got going into viburnums, we've got trees with fruit. I mean, there's a huge range of malus. Um, obviously, we're holding on to a little bit of autumn colour with some of the liquid ambers as well. Um, alnus, medlers, because you've got the fruits got as well. With yeah, fruit. yeah, we've got some medlers planted already. So, I mean, you know, they will just add, you know, interest and colour throughout the winter months. Then, obviously, going into bulbs.
2: It's quite funny, I'm just picking up on you talking about mailers, because um, you had the collection here once upon a time, didn't you? The mailers' collection.
3: Yes, yes, it was. A few um, years ago. Yeah, it was a few years ago, so we don't hold it now. But, I mean, there are some real good choices. I mean, you know, Golden Hornet, Butterball, Hooper, Red Sentinel, you know, they are the real good sort of garden favourites. And again, they will hold on to their fruits throughout the winter.
2: And then the birds can enjoy them as well, can't they? Yeah, that's, that's, very that's much a big so. Thing, yeah, isn't it? yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean,
3: it's all good for wildlife as well. You know, it's become so mm. more important wildlife within our own gardens these days.
2: So, really, you know, when you look at, look at what you're doing here, you, you've got obviously the lake, which is fairly new. I mean, the lake's how many years old now? Um, it's about three years, three years. old now. Yeah. And this is the next sort of project to go forward. Um, and I suppose it all slowly links, the, if you if you look at what you're doing, it's always been people would walk up the hill at Hyde Hall. Anybody who hasn't been here, you walk up the hill, don't you, to the gardens. Yep. You know, dry garden, traditional garden, the, the pond by the house. But now you're really, you're getting people to spread out a bit more,
3: aren't you? Yeah, we are. As you said, you know, it's always a walk up the hill and... Um, we started up at the top of the hill and gradually, as I said, I've fallen Whoa. down the hill. <laughs> and, you know, as you can see, standing here now that the garden actually starts from the shop, the visitor centre. As you can see, as we're walking through now, you lose the lake. We turn a corner, you can see the lake. And carrying on, you know, you've got the winter stems. You can see them in the far distance of the bachelor there. So, you know, it, it will in time
2: be a really large winter garden. In fact, ten years on, it's going to be fantastic, isn't it? Or maybe, um, well, it'll be better before then. But in ten years, it'll be fantastic. Oh, ten years! It? I mean, because it
3: goes on to the wider estate. We've got tree planting heading south that we done probably about five years ago. So then it will connect onto the woodland, and you'll have this walk all the way around the wider estate.
0: Andrew Lodge from RHS Hyde Hall speaking to Ken Crowther about future plans for the most beautiful of gardens even if it is at the top of a cold, windy hill. Heather Cutmore has been talking about the problems that winter brings.
2: On the top of the hill here, it can be a bit nippy here at Hyde Hall, can't it? Because it's in Essex, it's, you know, windy spot, cold spot. So how much protection do you have to do here?
4: Um, Well, it depends on the plants. If they are um, fairly tender plants, uh, we do have to give them quite a bit of protection. Um, and then also depending on their size we can either deal with that protection um, on site actually in the borders or if they're smaller plants or um, plants that are tubers, we can bring them into the greenhouse.
2: So, what sort of plants are we having to leave outside and think, ah, oh, well, you know, I mean, I know you've got a few tree ferns, things like that, haven't you?
4: We have. Um, it depends on the size, as I said before. Um, if they're large, we have tree ferns here, but we also have um, other large tender perennials like bananas, musy, oh, yeah. Um We can actually wrap them in situ. And the so, what do you we... wrap them with? Well, we usually just use um, good old-fashioned straw. Really? Um, Yep, we can either wrap them um, around uh, fleece using um, dahlia sticks, um, or we can use chicken wire. Um, Either way, we make sure that all of the areas, the stems and the crowns, are covered in straw.
2: Now, some people worry about when you do, like, a tree fern... They often say, you you know, people worry about how they wrap it up. I mean, I always used to just fold the leaves in and keep the crown nice and sort of protected with the old leaves. Is that the sort of thing you would do?
4: Um, yeah, we usually take the leaves off rather than oh, actually. We take them off. Yep. Okay. And um, um, we just um, pack the crowns around with straw. We always leave uh, the tops open, um, so that to let the air get in. It's to allow the air to get in. That's right. That's one of the reasons why we don't fold the leaves over.
2: Because if not, you get rot, don't you? And, and it's because the tree fern only depends on its crown, doesn't it? Really.
4: It does. That's where its um, living part is. Um, the actual trunk, the cordex, is actually. Um, fairly dead. There is a little strand of um, roots that run down the centre and into the ground during the summer, but in the winter it tends to retreat well into the crown.
2: So it's straw, leave some air to get in there? Yes. And generally that will work?
4: Yes. Um, also, when it's packed with straw, it's very difficult um, in springtime to see when it's actually starting to grow. So if you leave um, the straw uncovered and allow the water to come in, um, the tree fern can then start away around about March, April time unaffected so drought, it won't be affected by drought.
2: Now you said you bring some things into the glass house. Is yes. it a cold greenhouse or is it just some, some temperature in there?
4: Um, we have two types um, but the ones that we tend to overwinter um, our perennials in are frost free. Um, these can be azaleas that are in tuber form that we dig out of the garden. Um, They can also be things like cannas and gingers. Um, We bring them in, we clean up the roots, make sure that anything dead and diseased is taken off um, and we then pack them into fresh, clean compost. Um, We don't water the compost at all until we see new life occurring in spring. New life will then bring on the new roots, and as soon as we see that, we then start to water. So we don't actually, although they're packed into compost, we don't water them until springtime.
2: And then you can take cuttings as well, can't you? <laughs> yes, as soon as we get
4: some new growth, especially from the dahlias, that's when we start taking our softwood cuttings from any of the growth that starts to appear. I've seen
2: you doing those, I know, so you yep, do plenty yep, we of usually them, don't have,
4: you? Yeah, um, we'll be bringing in around about uh, 50 different varieties mm. of dahlias and also about half a dozen different varieties of cannas and gingers.
2: Now, some people would risk leaving those outside. You obviously don't. I mean, the thing is, with heavy... Essex soils, which is where Hyde Hall is it is a problem isn't it? They don't like it do they? Yeah
4: it depends on your soil. Here we have quite heavy Essex clay soil um, and it does tend to freeze around the roots so therefore we bring them in. If you're lucky enough to have quite a soft loamy soil um, that's free draining Then you can leave them out, but then I would still give them a bit of protection um, by a little bit of straw or pegging down a bit of fleece over the top of the crowns, and that should protect them. But heavy clay soil, no, we wouldn't risk it.
2: So really... What we're saying is, although you know we're, we're into winter, we had a mildish autumn, it's yes. still time to watch all those tender plants and yes. see that you protect them.
4: Yes, in fact, uh, with dahlias and cannas, you can actually wait until the first frosts, see that the top material has actually started to die down from the frosts, and that's when you can actually uh, start protecting them.
0: Heather Cutmore from RHS Hyde Hall, speaking to Ken Crowther, with just a little help from a future gardener. Well, that brings to an end our winter visit to RHS Hyde Hall. No doubt we'll revisit during the course of 2016. And it brings to an end this most recent of podcasts. Thank you for listening to World Radio Gardening and come back to our website regularly.